morning, all. Thank you. Uh, and we went to a little family gathering thing at uh, my uncle's house yesterday. And as you might expect, we were about 15 minutes late. And uh, uh, they were like, yep, there, there they are. You know, right on time as usual or whatever. Like, well, yeah, I know. It's like I told Cynthia, we need to get there on time because everybody knows that Greg and Cynthia are always late. And they're like, no, no, it's fine. We, we expect that. I'm like, I know, that's what I'm saying. You shouldn't expect that. But, you know, I guess the point is, is we're all here, right? So when, the, when we pulled in the parking lot and I saw how many cars were already here, I thought, oh, my alarm just kept going off and going off this morning. I could not drag myself out of bed, but apparently I did. So, Jesus, we thank you for this day and this place to gather with your people. God, we, we just thank you for how you blessed us and watched over us. God, it's, it's rained and rained and rained here till the, the point of inconvenience, God. But when you look at, at, uh, at Iowa, God, just underwater. Uh, we're, we're grateful for how you've blessed us and, and how you've kept us, Lord. And we just pray that today your word would do in us and to us exactly what you want to do. You accomplish your, your will and your, uh, your glory in us, Lord God. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's see. I had a whole bunch of places that I was reading yesterday. Uh, go over to uh, Hebrews 3 with me. If you were at the Bible study last night, you were blessed. I was not there. I remembered it at like 1045. And I thought, they probably wouldn't appreciate me getting dressed and coming over there now. So, <laughs> I mean, we're family. Don't, you know, but... You know, one time Mike and Bobby and I were all working out of town. We had to stay in a hotel for the week. and There was two beds in this hotel room. So Mike, being the wise man that he is, immediately said, Family card, you guys are sleeping in the same bed. <laughs> and so I had to sleep in the same bed with Bob. So, not particularly happy about that, but... <laughs> No, that's true, but it still is rather uncomfortable. That would be the point. I'm not used to laying next to somebody as hairy as me. So, in Hebrews 3... (laughs) Anyway... Right? I know. I know. So this thing once like, do you remember when we talked about thinking before you speak? And it's like, well, sometimes there's just not time. I I know, spoken by someone who's known me for a long time. So, no. Reset. Anyway, so in Hebrews 3... 
I'm just going to start at verse 1. You know how that goes. Uh, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as Moses was faithful in all his house. This man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who has built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end? I like that. If we hold fast to the confidence and rejoicing of hope firm to the end. So, you know, we've talked a lot over the years about um, how there's all these things that God talks about that he that he wants out of our life, and so much of it is stuff that he he tells you he he lets you know hey this is my expectation, but by the way I'm going to do it in you I just want you to cooperate with me and you know let me do it. I don't know how many times I tried to brush my kids' teeth when they were little or you know wash their hair or something I was like would you just cooperate with me. You know, and it's it's funny because when they're really little, you can't reason with them. You know, it's it's glorious as they get older, and you can reason with them, and uh, and you get to find out that uh, they 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 get you figured out. They know how to push your buttons, and and they know what how how the world works. Uh, we were telling Levi how proud we were of him about something. He's like, do I get a reward? <laughs> I was like, my pleasure is your reward. <laughs> But, uh, but you know, cooperating is an interesting thing because, you know, if you're, uh, uh, if you're a lifeguard and you jump in the water to rescue somebody who's drowning, you have to be really careful because if they're in a panic and they, they wrap you up, then you're both going down. So, so cooperating with somebody that wants to help you is, uh, is an important thing. And so he talks about us uh, uh, being this house of his and holding fast to the confidence and rejoicing with the hope firm again. What confidence would that be? Uh huh. That confidence that he's going to get us where he wants us to go. He's going to get us where we want to go because he knows how how to do that. And the the further down the road you get, the the more uh, convinced you become that he's going to get me where I'm going because he's got me this far and the other 599 times it looked like this wasn't going to work, it still worked. So so God knows how to do that. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation, and I said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. And so I swore in my wrath they would not enter into my rest. So, that's all in parentheses. But it's a, it's a great statement, because he's talking about holding on to this confidence firm to the end. And then he throws out this example of the children of Israel in the wilderness, because they left Egypt with this statement from God, this is where we're going. It's like just right down the street. 
and uh, uh, and but their their confidence failed them when they got there. Their confidence in God getting them uh, through, and because they were looking at the circumstance and how impossible it looked, and so they 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 thought, nah, nah, no thanks, and so they then they went into the wilderness for forty years and. And he says, your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works 40 years. So they went through all this stuff, and, and we have it written down for our own admonition, but you can see how they they tried his patience and they they, they continually doubted the the goodness of God and, and his good intention for them. Uh, but they, they learned his ways. They, they got to, well, at least they got to see it. They saw his acts. David said that uh, that Moses knew his ways and that the children of Israel knew his acts, and so Moses, because he spent time with God, took away from all those experiences, knowing what God would do, knowing who God was. Uh, the children of Israel only knew what God did, and uh, and so it's it's funny because if you don't uh, if you don't spend that time getting close to the Lord, you don't get your nose in the book, then you know what He did. But you don't know what he would do, you know, because you could take pretty much anything that's gonna that you're looking at in your life, you know, because I think we're all in coming to these places where there's a a, a door with a big question mark on it, you know, and uh, leaves you thinking, okay, um, so what happens when I open the door? You know, but uh, you know, and that's what they thought. They came to the promised land, and it's like, well, what happens when I open the door? It's like, well, all this great stuff I told you I was going to do for you, that's what happens when you open the door. Uh, but, uh, of course, they didn't open the door until the next generation, 40 years later. Then they, they opened the door, and they, they got to to see what God would have done for this first generation. That if they would have just had that confidence and that hope firm to the end and just cooperated and, and done the thing that God told them to do. So it's an interesting, you know, it's a cautionary tale for us. And it said that they always err in their heart and they've not known God's ways. So they they saw what he did and they took nothing away from it. They 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 never came up with the conclusion of this is who God is. Well, they came up with a conclusion, but it was the wrong conclusion. So then we come to Sinai and he said, "Okay, so let me spell it out for you. This is my expectation." And and it and it gives you some insight into who he is because he doesn't want your life to damage anyone else's and he doesn't want anybody else's life to damage you. And so he he as Ron always said, he he gave this uh set of expectations that should have tear proofed the world. And so uh but because they came up with the wrong conclusion, they didn't see it like that. They saw it as jump through these hoops and you'll be where I want you to be and, and, and you'll make heaven. Which is not at all what he was saying. Saying do these things because you, you you know that there's good, you know that there's evil, but I'm telling you this would be my expectation then because you need something to base that sense of right and wrong on. <coughs> Excuse me. So that's all in parentheses. So I'm going to go back to verse 6 and then jump down to 12. But Christ is a son over his own house. Whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end? 
Wherefore, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You know, and the great thing about faith and about doubt, about belief and about unbelief, is there. It's like you're looking at God through one lens or the other, and this, you know, belief and faith expects good from God, and doubt and unbelief expects bad. It just it looks at at everything with this sense of, well, this probably isn't going to work out. Or, I sure I believe God could do this stuff, but, in parentheses, I really don't. He probably won't because of this and that and the other thing. And uh, it's like uh, it's like you go to the get up to the roller coaster and then you take the chicken exit out. It's like, well, sure I believe that God can do this, but it's like read read the fine print. So, uh, so uh, this expectation then is: Does God mean good for me or bad for me? Did, did he did he say something that sounded really lovely today, or did he say, say something mean? Doesn't matter. Is it good for me? Yeah. Yes. So. Uh, so this he says that that we should hold fast to our confidence and our rejoicing of hope firm to the end. And then he says, "Take heed, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief." Because you know when have you ever. Uh, had something that you tried to tell somebody about, and they just you knew that they just didn't believe you, and 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 you know that you're right, and you know that you're telling them the truth, and they're thinking, eh, well, that's yeah, that's nice. It sounds like a great story, and and it it just it's frustrating, you know, and you know to think of, uh, you know, I I always think about my kids. It's like, you know, what if. If I told my kids how how much I loved them, and they were like, "No, oh, that's that's nice. I, I wish you really meant that," but you know, I was just thinking about you know this and that, and I I just didn't think that you know you'd really you know be happy with me. And it, it's it's an upsetting kind of thought, you know. And you know how must God feel when he he goes out of his way every way he could to proclaim his love to us, and and we we kind of think, well, yeah. I mean, he, you know, he paid this dreadful price, but now I kind of, well, you know, I kind of messed up, and now I'm, you know, he's just going to kind of lay me by the wayside. You know, when you pay a heavy price for something, you're not just going to leave it laying around. Um, you know, when if you have something that costs you a lot, it has value to you. And, uh, <coughs> all right, gosh. So... You know, I don't. I don't think I need to spell out for anybody here the price that God paid for us. And and uh, having paid such a price, for, for particularly when to you it doesn't, it seems like why would He have paid that price? You know, uh, it's like I think it's like man, God could probably could have found me on in like the clearance aisle, you know, and like He could have paid like a you know a stub toe for me or something, but. You know, but he paid the the highest thing he could pay because he had that kind of value that he placed on me and on you. And so, you know, when you love somebody like that, because I think we all have somebody that you know that we could think of right off the top of our head that that we love enough that they could they could make us angry, they could make us upset, they could make us disappointed, and we wouldn't just think, well, that's it for them then. 
Forget them. They're in my reject pile now. You know, because love doesn't do that. You know, I I have friends that I've had for over 20 years, and I marvel that they had not tossed me aside. You know, and and so you know, people they they just they go travel down the road with you, and you you develop this this fellowship with them that that you know just the everyday things, no big deal. You know, and so you know, don't get me wrong, God is not. He's not easy on sin. He's not light on sin. He doesn't, you know, wink at it like your grandpa. He, you know, he paid a terrible price to deal with it, and it's not his, is not at all his expectation that you would continue in it. But it also doesn't mean that at the first sign of trouble, he's going to crumple you up and throw you away, because that's not what he does. But that's what unbelief would say. That's that evil heart of unbelief. It's like, well, I, I can't hold my confidence and uh, rejoicing of hope firm to the end because. Well, why not? It says right here in black and white that you should. And that, that to not hold on to it would, would be this evil heart of unbelief. He says, but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Because sin is deceitful. And, and it leaves you with this sense of, oh, well, it's like, well, he's, you know, he's not going to be happy with me now. He's not going to accept me now because... Because of this sin, and it and it you you can be hardened through that, um, allowing that thought process to to play out of well because I did this you know he's not gonna accept me or whatever it's like I I would point you back to the prodigal son his father was standing out there every day waiting for him waiting for him to come home and he ran down the road to meet him you know he he didn't have anything of dignity or standoffishness even. Uh, like, well, it's about time you came home. You know, he ran out to meet him because he wasn't going to let him get away again. So so that's the kind of love that God has for us. So so he says, exhort one another daily, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So you catch somebody talking that kind of hopeless stuff. You catch yourself talking that kind of hopeless stuff. Get a mirror and shake your finger in your face and tell yourself to rejoice you know, to, to hold fast your confidence with rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. So, uh, exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Because don't you start out with all this hope and, and you know, everybody gets really excited starting out on some new project uh, and then, uh, you know, I remember when I when I first got born again, I was just the happiest little guy, and you know everything in life was grand, and uh, you know didn't you know once I hit my first case of road rash, then uh, it was kind of like oh, this isn't going to be as easy as I thought it was, and dang it. I messed this all up now, you know, but but God proves to you that it's like, well, that's this is just today. This is just right now. You can make this go away right now. In fact, I can make this go away right now. So, um, but he says that we hold fast the beginning of our confidence. You know, go back to that first love, that first confidence, because when you when you reach that place of of giving yourself over to him, 
it takes this confidence that this is going to work out okay. And uh, uh, it's down the road a ways you, then you start having to, to test that out and find out, does this really work? Indeed it does. But he says that we're made partakers of Christ. So you've been adopted then. And, uh, you know, I, I love what Ron says about this, how, you know, it's, it's an adoption, but it's the only adoption that you, not only do you get their name, but you get their nature, you know. And so, so that's a grand deal, because if you've got his nature inside of you, then, you know, where, where would you go wrong with that? You know, he knows how to get you through safely to the end of the road. That, that's, that's what he's saying here. So he says, we're made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. Because there was Joshua and Caleb, right? Two guys. That's, that's kind of crummy odds. Two, two guys out of a few million that would that would uh, hold their confidence firm to the end. That, uh, you know, it, it's a funny thing how, how filled with doubt the flesh can be because it, it's incapable of faith. And, and so they, they watched Egypt torn to pieces. And, uh, you know, if, if you think about it, it uh, this... The way that God did these things in Egypt to, to show Himself strong—it's almost like watching a game of cat and mouse. Like He kept giving Pharaoh a chance and then tearing up more stuff, not because He's capricious, but because He's—he was showing how much He cared about His people and how much He would do for you. And so, they—they—they uh, they, they saw this uh, destruction of the the mightiest nation in the world for their sake. And then a day or two later, they come to something that looked bad, and and their faith just evaporated. And and so he's so he's saying, you know, let's let's uh, exhort one another and and uh, and not not harden our hearts, not not uh, provoking God. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom he swore they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So I could come short of it then. So that's an interesting thought because, you know, here we are talking about how God gets us where we're going. And he does. But... uh, and God is very wise in the way that He puts us through things that places value on the relationship with Him, value on the things that He says. Not that you're somehow earning some sort of favor with Him, but but showing Him that yes, I really I really do value what you have to say, and I believe what you have to say, because a relationship that has no faith doesn't really work. You have to have faith in the other person. You have to have faith in their love for you. And and sometimes it's like kind of taking a blind leap out there to to believe what they have to say about you. 
you know. Like we, you've all heard my uh, 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 retard and aluminum foil analogy. It's like it's like this leap of faith to to think that wow, I'd like to meet this guy that Cynthia is married to. But that's what love does. And so, uh, you know, we we've both gotten that opportunity over the years to put value into the relationship. And and that's the great thing about uh, how having a relationship that's a little seasoned. They're more fun right at the beginning, more exciting and, and everything. But as you get to be a, an old codger like us, then, um, you know, all gray-headed and, and wrinkly. Um, <laughs> no, just gray-headed for now. But... Um, no, the great thing is is that um, even just the time itself builds a sense of value into the relationship that that you know you've gone too far to to even think about looking back and and so and so it is with God that the longer you you spend with him and the more he proves to you that his love for you will not leave you hanging he will not fail you then you you come more and more into that place of of that understanding that I, I can hold fast my confidence firm to the end because he has given me no reason at all to expect that he would let me down. So he says, Let us therefore fear then, lest the promise being left of us entering into that rest any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as to them, but the word preached didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. And we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I've sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So God, <coughs> gosh, so God is talking about, I've I've already got all this stuff fixed. I got all this stuff finished. You know, uh, we were driving to church this morning and listening to this mix CD that uh, somebody made for Cynthia. And uh, we're driving along, and, and this track comes on. It's really quiet. And so I, I turned it way up, and it's this song that Jeff recorded. And it says, my heart is fixed, my heart is established. If you weren't going to bring these things to pass, then you wouldn't have given me this promise. And I thought, yes, that is what I'm talking about. Because... You know, people might promise you something and not follow through. Uh, you know, people will let you down. People that you love will let you down. People you don't love will let you down. That's just people. And, you know, uh, I don't think you should live in the expectation that they're going to let you down, but I think you should not be surprised when it happens. Um, because it does. If you know me, then, you know. And unless you needed me to bring you a cup of coffee, I probably have let you down at some point. But um, but God never lets you down, never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever. And you know the interesting thing about His love is that sometimes He knows what you need is not necessarily what you would want or what you would like to have. And you know it's like you know God's love makes me think of Christmas time. When your children have this laundry list of extremely expensive items that that they really have no use for, uh, they don't. There's no place to put this in our house, and 
You know, it's like, well, I, you know, I would love to buy you your own jet, but I'd, our driveway is not long enough, and there's lots of trees. Um, so here's a little plastic one. But you know, God, you know, you when you have kids, you understand that you can't always just say yes to to everything they want. It's, this is a terrible movie, but it is an interesting analogy. Uh, that that movie where Jim Carrey is supposed to be God, and he's got all these emails that are people's prayers, and he just hits reply all, yes, in big letters, and the whole world just goes into this, this disaster, you know. And and God understands that, that it really, he really can't just say yes to everything that you want, because sometimes we have these unintended consequences to the things that we want, and we, you know, it's like, wow, this seems like a really great deal to me. And God says, well... If you could see to the end like I can, then then you would know that this actually, I have something better than this. Something way better than this that will actually work out better for you, and you will be glad that you didn't get the other thing. And and that's what that the the love of God is like. And that's that's the word, the Greek word that it uses, agape, that's what it means, is that kind of love that, that God so loved the world. Because he knows what it is that you need. And he knows how to get you where you're going. And and sometimes, you know, you, you go through things that you just think, God, why can't this just be over now? I, I, I get the idea, you know. And it's funny because a few weeks ago, Ron was, was praying for my uh, wrist and stuff. And he, he's like, you know, he gets the idea, you know, he's not, you know, he, he understands you're changing his direction. So let's fix it now. And here we are a few weeks down the road. Because I was thinking, I don't know that I really got the idea yet. You know? And and so now I'm trying to find people to to hire. And it's like looking for a, a needle at like, a, I don't know, some place that doesn't sell needles. And um, <laughs> um, but, and I was just thinking, wow, you know, if I could, it would be great if I could just go back to work for like a week just to kind of take some of the pressure off, you know, but I can't. Like I was putting away a glass mixing bowl the other day and I was like, oh man, oh, you know, so Mike's like, yeah, I don't think so, you know, but, you know, God knows when you have indeed got the idea, you know, I mean, I've definitely got the idea that God's put me in front of this open door with a question mark on it and that, that my life is going a different direction now, but, um, I think, you know, God knows that if I could, I would still just kind of go back to the way things were. So, because we all like the way things were when they were comfortable. And, you know, that's that's why men don't buy new socks for like, you know, 15 years. Because these <laughs> these fit me really nice. I just, I like these. I'm not going to, like, what's my favorite shirt? It's like, you know, it's got holes in it and armpit stains and everything. It's like, oh, but it's so comfortable. You know. You know, so sometimes we all have to move on, you know, and, and God knows how to do that in your life. So, so He says that uh, unto us was the gospel preached in verse two, as well as to them. The word preached didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So, somebody can talk to you until you're blue in the face if you don't believe what they're saying. It really, it doesn't make any difference. And and so, um, you know, sometimes God will tell you something, and 
your your knee-jerk reaction is to say, yeah, but... Right? I mean, that, I don't even think that word is in the dictionary, but everybody uses it. Gabbit. 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 It's like... It, it, I, I'm giving you lip service that I agree, but I really don't, and here's why. And and so, you know, I think I think sometimes we have to just come to the Lord and just tell Him I'm I'm, I'm putting down all my yeah buts. I'm putting down all of my ideas about what I think would be best and uh, what I would like to have happen. Because you know what I like to have happen. We've talked about that a few times. And. And and just want you to do what it is that you want to do in my life, and 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 you help me to have the faith to take a hold of what it is that you're telling me, because uh, sometimes God talks to you about things that that He wants you to do or that He's going to do in your life, and you just look at it like, uh huh, <laughs> and how how could that be? You know, you feel like. Uh, feel like John the Baptist's dad all of a sudden. Yeah, but how could that be? And when you have no reason to think otherwise. You know, I knew somebody that had this dream. They were in a car that was driving uh, up a sheer face. And uh, uh, and the car was just going up the sheer face. And, you know, so they put their seatbelt on so they would stay in the car. And they got, you know, as, as you would expect in a dream, you know, it just kind of comes up and then boop. And then they you know, all of a sudden they're on this plateau and there's these these people who had been in the same place that person had been and they were building something. And they were going to get out of the car and they were going to work on the building with them. And so, you know, it's a great thing how the things that we go through benefit other people. You know, and, and so uh, it seems that God has given us a ministry here that's been through everything, been there and done that. And uh, so, which I don't envy, but uh, but it's a grand thing to be able to learn from that uh, because, you know, you can, you know, come to him, mascara running down your face and he's like, well, it's okay. I've been there. This turns out okay. And uh, and so it's a it's a grand thing that, that God does that. But but being but having the word come to you and being mixed with faith. Because, uh, you know, in, in my Bible, this chapter has a heading above it that says the saints everlasting rest. And, and I think, yeah, that, that seems fitting for him to be talking about faith. This chapter is talking about having faith in God and his purpose for us because that's how you come to rest. Because uh, sometimes, you know, circumstances don't seem like this would be a good place to rest. This seems like this would be a place to do something. But but uh, and then resting is not always a passive activity. But uh, but the sense of resting, uh, you know, I think that's what's so great about practicing the Sabbath, about taking those those thoughts that come in, uh, like oh man. Like you know, I I got to deal with this, and this thing is going to happen. What am I supposed to do about this? And then you just take that stuff. You take all those thoughts, and you say, no, 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 no. You you leap off off the horse, and you you tie it up, and then and and walk away. And and so God knows how to teach us to do that. But but practicing doing that is is a difficult thing to start out with. But uh, as you practice 
taking those thoughts into captivity and having and and then God proves to you, hey, this really does work. All all those uh, all those doom and gloom scenarios of the devil telling your future, none of those things happened, did they? No, no, they really didn't. He's like, okay then. So then you could rest in me, right? The correct answer is yes. And so God knows how to just keep keep you working with him. And, and, and you know, that's really the thing that he's asking for is he's like, I'm, I'm bringing you into rest. I'm, I'm, I want you to be, I want you to have your heart settled that this, whatever it might be that I'm doing in your life is, is going to work out just right, just the way I intended it. And so uh, what I want you to do is just relax and just work with me on it. I, I love the analogy that, uh, that Mike uses about uh, worshiping God and how it's way easier to pick your kids up if they pick if they lift up their arms and and kind of work with you. Have you ever tried to pick up a kid that? Is, <laughs> you know, I, when when Adina was like three, she used to always come up and she would want me to pick her up, and I would hold her, but then she would just <laughs> you know, like bring her back to Kevin. I was like, she's gonna have to go to the chiropractor, bro. I'm sorry, she's just you know, there's something wrong with her. But uh, you know, but it's it's challenging, you know. I would always tell my kids like, wrap your arms around me, stop it, because Levi would always straighten up his arms and flex his little legs, and and I was like, I can't hold you like this. It's like, come on, you know, and and so uh, you know, God God wants to uh, He wants to carry you sometimes. Sometimes He wants to. Put you down and let you walk, because you can walk through through things. And uh, sometimes we act like our cat and just, you know. But but God knows how to get you where you're going. And so so cooperate with me, he says. And he says, for we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I sworn in my wrath that they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter in, and they to whom it was first preached entered it, entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limits a certain day, saying in David, today after so long a time, as it is said, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Joshua would have given them rest, then he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. There Remaineth therefore a rest or keeping of the Sabbath to the people of God, for he that has entered into his rest has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So we have uh, we have this example uh, of of how God didn't let any of these uh, he didn't let uh, Moses down, he didn't let Joshua down. And and he he came to the place where the work was done and he rested, and so so he says the the work that he's done in you is already done. It's like uh, if, if you were in Georgia, uh, Nonpet talked about how God uh, he declares the end of the project at the beginning, and then he goes back to the beginning, and then you just walk. It's like it's like having a little map. Just you just follow the map. You follow the 
follow the deal and you get where you're going. And so, so God is saying, I, I finished the work already. So, uh, so let's, uh, be careful then that we don't fall after this example of unbelief, uh, and act in the margin says of disobedience. You know, because, uh, God has given us no reason to expect that, uh, He would tell us to do something and then kind of pull the rug out from under us. Uh, real quick, go over with me to, uh, Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> yes. Cinco. Capítulo cinco. Verso uno. No. Um, actually, yeah, yeah. Well, you know me. I always start in verse one. Uh, therefore, being justified by faith. So that's good. Justified by faith, not by having our duckies in a row. Uh, not because we uh, we feel like we can show up at church with a uh, with a really great smile and and uh, project that everything is going grand in our life, but because yeah, you know there was a song that uh, that was really interesting where he talks about being shiny plastic people, you know, and we all because we all feel like we should come to church and it's like how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. It's like, are you smiling or are you baring your teeth? I, I'm a wounded animal. Uh, so, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. So then, whatever, uh, whatever we we happen to be going through, whatever uh, end we're looking for, God uh, already has. We can have peace that God already has it established. By whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and we rejoice in hope and of the glory of God. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation works patience. You know, patience is an interesting thing because I always think of pearls. You know, because pearls are formed through intense, constant irritation. And and that's how, you know, patience is like a pearl because it takes, constant intense irritation to develop patience because you can you can you receive that stimuli and you have to either blow up or take a minute and and exercise some self-control which is something that God has given to us to be able to do and and just you know what God I need help with this because ah you know, I to me, being interrupted when I'm talking is one of the most absolutely irritating things on the planet. It makes me want to scream because I grew up in a family where if you didn't jump in and interrupt somebody, you weren't going to say anything. And uh, uh, there was lots of times when I was a kid, I just didn't get to say anything. Well, that Greg, he's a quiet kid. You know. But, you know, so we're reading The Hiding Place together. And I understand that my younger ones are a bit... That's a bit over their head, but I, I think last night they interrupted me about 40 times in 10 minutes, and I was just pulling my hair out. Um, but I was thinking, okay, so I'm learning patience today, because everything that God has been doing that I've been going through lately is about patience, because I am a get this done right now and see the results of it right now and that's how this works because that's how everything in my life has always been you know with my job and stuff it's like you 
you know, I sprayed the paint on. It's painted now, you know, and now it, it's like, okay, well, I, I set this little thing out to that should do this, and I've done this little thing that should do this, and now I just have to wait. That's why I don't fish, because, you know, I'm one of those people that you sit on the bank for about a minute and it's like, okay, nothing is happening. <laughs> this is dumb, you know. So I'm I'm learning patience. So I like how he talks about glorying in tribulations because tribulations were patience. And so, you know, it, it's always a grand thing when you're with somebody who has patience and and you see that that patience just on display when when you're both going through something that's really aggravating and uh and it's a great uh peer pressure kind of example to to maintain your patience but patience works experience experience hope and hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the holy ghost which was given to us so so going through whatever it would be that we're going through as we come into this place of learning to rest of having faith in, in God's uh, plan and faith in what God is doing to us individually. You know, because, I don't know, people uh, have kind of ruined that phrase for me. God's got a plan for your life. It's like, in, indeed He does, but um, it, it's kind of become a cliche, you know. And so it's like, well, yeah, God has a plan for everybody, but I'm talking about what God has in mind for me right now and in my life specifically and you know and then you're all thinking the same thing and and so uh learning to have faith that that's going to work because you know we we look around it's like well we're like john and peter you know it's like well what about john what's, what's his deal you know he's he's your big pal you know it's like oh i'm gonna die and john he's just gonna have a great old time you know, I mean, I'm sure you could probably think of somebody that you could com- draw that comparison with, but don't. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is, is uh, you know, coming into that place of trusting God that, that you're going to be all right, that the thing that he has said he's going to do is going to work out fine. So like we started out saying, holding fast our confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm to the end. Because hope is a great thing, you know, and and hope is is more than just this unfounded desire, you know, because that's how we use hope. Like, well, is this going to work? <laughs> I hope so. You know, it's like hope is the expectation of getting something good from God, and with you know that with every expectation that is going to happen, and and so. So hope is very much like faith then. This expectation that this is going to happen. And so as we come into that place, then God knows how to get us there. And and, and so what we want to do is just cooperate with Him and just tell Him, you know, God, I see in Your Word this how the children of Israel you know, didn't enter in and they fell under this example of unbelief. And and I don't want to do that. I, you you've given me no reason to doubt you. You've given me no reason to expect that you would do anything other than what you said you would do. And so I believe. Help my unbelief. And and if God shows you something to do, 
do it. If God's got you in a place that's not comfortable, don't fight with Him about it. Just ask Him about it and, and you know, be willing to accept that maybe this is where I am because God put me here. Because there's, there's something that's very, uh, liberating about simply accepting the place that you're at as something that God has brought you to and that like it or no, this is where I am right now and God knows where I am and He, this is not where He intends for me to be forever. So, you know, coming into that place of rest is a, is a very awesome thing. So Jesus, we thank you for your word to us and uh, your, your precious promises and, and all that you've done. God, the, the price that you paid for us, God, is a staggering thing. God, and, and I just repent for every time that I have entertained some thought of, of you uh, letting me down or, uh, or uh, not let it, having things turn out well for me. And, and God, what we want is to, to trust in you and come into that place of rest. God, that, that example that Joshua and Caleb uh, gave us, not, not everyone else that was there that day. God, because they, they knew that you gave them the land and therefore this was a doable thing. And so God, let us all take that view of our lives knowing that you know how to get these things done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.